welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I am here with the weekend warm-up, BFW's weekly show, where we hit on all of that big news of the week. And if I sound a little tired, if I sound a little exasperated, it's probably because I was on a vacation and somehow came back more tired. So uh, I had a very interesting week, to say the least. I'll touch on that in a little bit. But I was able to stick with this site and do my daily Schmalkerl column every morning. Uh, that was keeping me in the loop. I also probably ripped out two to three posts per day while I was away. Uh, when I had a few minutes here and there, I would get some things done. So I stayed tied to the pulse of what was going on with Bayern Munich, what was going on with the various transfer rumors that were out there. Uh, it was a very odd week to say the least for Bayern Munich. But what I will say is uh, I had some things to do while I was away. Obviously a family vacation. We had a couple of soccer type things to do with my older daughter. But in between those, we went to Myrtle Beach, which if you are from the United States, you will know has become known as the Dirty Murdy. And uh <laughs> To me, it always sticks out, Myrtle Beach, uh, because that season where <laughs> Kenny Powers uh, in Eastbound and Down uh, went to Myrtle Beach to really kickstart his minor league uh, effort to get back into the majors, uh, that was a really fun season. If you remember that, Jason Sudeikis was in it. Uh, you know, Obviously, the first two seasons of Eastbound and Down were just outrageously funny. That Myrtle Beach season was great as well. Uh, I was a huge, huge fan of the entire series and still think it's one of the best things that HBO has ever done. Uh, even if you don't like baseball, uh, Kenny Powers himself, who was played by Danny McBride, was such a good character, uh, so oblivious to everything, uh, so uh, cocky, self-confident, everything. It just it, anything... Like to me, everything about that show is perfect, right down to the relationship between Kenny Powers and Stevie Janowski. And I, I don't know, to me, that's one of the great com comedic duos that has been in television. So uh, anyway, back to my point, uh, before I started thinking about Eastbound and Down, uh, I did enjoy my time in Myrtle Beach. I don't know that it necessarily deserves that dirty Murdy uh, <laughs> moniker that it's gotten. But I can see why why people might feel that way. Uh, it's a great to me. I still enjoy it. It's a great beach, uh, and I'm not really a beach guy, but I did enjoy just being able to sit there and relax a little bit. Of course, Myrtle Beach is also known for some of its miniature golf courses, of which uh, I did hit a couple of those. Unfortunately, in one of those matches, my wife did uh, take home the honors and defeat me, which is the first time I've ever lost to her in miniature golf. So this was, a, I mean, my ego took a hit there. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know if I've quite recovered from that yet, but anyway, that's enough detailing, uh, what I was doing last week, but I did have fun. I did, uh, I did want to recharge a little bit, but it was not a, a vacation where I really felt like I recharged those batteries. So, uh, if I sound spent, it's because I, <laughs> but anyway, uh, with Bayern Munich, you know, as I followed along and was watching what was going on with the site, 
Uh, the one thing that really evolved over the course of this week for me was how things are getting to that final stage with Harry Kane. And we have beaten that Harry Kane horse to death at this point. Uh, to the, to, it's really actually at the stage where I don't even want to talk about it that much because we have written about it a ton. We have spoken about it for months. And sure, when it does happen, and I fully believe now that it will happen, I am going to come on here and I'm going to talk extensively about it. I'm going to really shove that crow sandwich down my throat because I'm going to eat a lot of crow when it comes down. But where everything stands right now, it's it's very advantageous if you're Bayern Munich. They are in a great spot. Kane, if you believe everything, wants Bayern Munich and nowhere else. He doesn't want to be with PSG. He doesn't want to take a look at Man United. He doesn't want to wait until things clear up in the Premier League. He just wants to make this move. For the longest period, I was worried that he would try and drag this out, keep things going, and then play out the season with Tottenham only to move on for free next year to somewhere else, Chelsea or whoever. But I don't see that happening now. In reality... I think Harry Kane's going to make this move. And the closer we get to this happening, the more it's really apparent that Tottenham has no other move at this point. Daniel Levy has played every card that he has. There's nowhere for him to go. It comes down to two things. Do you want to make about 100 million euro and get rid of Kane because he clearly doesn't want to be there anymore? or do you want to keep Kane, have an unhappy player for a year, hope like hell you can convince him that something uh, can work out for him there, uh, and then risk losing him for nothing next year? I, I don't think Levy has much of an option now. I think he's got to make the sale. He's got to get those nine figures, and he's got to start to apply them back into the team first and foremost with getting a replacement to Kane. The longer he waits, the less successful he's going to be in getting that replacement. There aren't any great options out there. And we've talked about this for months. Who do you go and get? Even if you get $100 million for Kane, who can you get? Can you go out and spend it on Randall Colomwani? Sure you could, but what are you going to really get? Are you going to get a like-for-like like replacement for Kane? No. Are you going to get someone that might be able to do the job? Sure, maybe he can. There are no guarantees with Randall Colomwani. Do you have enough in your reserves to take that nine figures you're getting for Kane? And can you add to it and convince Napoli to give up Victor Osman? Probably not. It's a no-win situation for Tottenham Hotspur. I do believe that Levy's going to come to his senses and he's going to sell Kane and he's going to do it sooner rather than later because the longer this drags out, it only hurts Tottenham. Right now, Bayern has no striker. So whether they have no striker now or they have it at the end of the window, nothing is changing with that. They can get Kane and problem solved. If they don't get Kane... I'm sure they'll quickly try and pivot at the end of the window, but they're going to go out and they're going to try and do everything they can to get him because as they know, Kane wants Byron, Byron wants Kane, and Levy is going to have to buck up and figure out that it's time. 
and he's got to accept what's going on here. And I know this all sounds weird from me because for months now, I've said there is zero shot that Kane is going to make this move. No Englishman in his prime is making that move to Bayern Munich. Well, I'm wrong. <laughs> and it's not the first time. It won't be the last time. But I've, you know, listen, I'm really happy as hell to be wrong on this one. So I'm looking forward to that deal coming to fruition. I really do want to see Kane get in and get acclimated to the team. I want him at Bayern Munich now. I want any day that he gets to Bayern Munich between now and whatever, it's an advantage. And I want to see him start to get used to playing with his teammates. And I want to see Thomas Tuchel start to figure out who can play best around Kane. Kane, I believe, and I think most people do, will be that plug-and-play solution at the number nine. But who's going to complement him best? What wings are going to work best surrounding him? What attacking midfielder is going to be able to get him the most service, provide him the most balls through, create the most offense for him? Is it going to be the youngster Jamal Musiala, or is it going to take a veteran like Thomas Muller to really draw the best out of Kane? These are all things that need to be figured out from a Bayern standpoint. So just like Levy is, is sitting here twiddling his thumbs and really only hurting himself, the longer it drags on, it it does sort of bother Byron in terms of trying to get a player like Kane acclimated and not just with living in Germany or his wife or his kids being in Germany, but who can play best around him and how the team is going to function with him. It's a very curious case because I do think that just about anyone on that Bayern Munich team will be able to compliment him and and, and give him the passes within the box that he needs and be able to set him up. I think that Byron has a team that's ready made for a player like Kane to step in. And the only player aside of Lewandowski that I would have wanted other than Kane for this role is Erling Haaland. I, I truly do believe that if last year Bayern Munich would have went all in, if they would have done everything that they could, and that if, if Holland did decide, you know what? I like living in Germany. I like the money that Byron's giving me. It matches up with Man City's offer. I think if he would have felt that way and taken that money from Byron, Byron would have won the Champions League last year. But that's all under water under the bridge right now. I think what everyone is anticipating is that Tottenham is going to have to make this quick decision because if they don't, they're really just hurting themselves. And with Bayern Munich's situation, they do need to get Kane in. So whatever needs to happen from both sides here, things need to get done. Kane needs to get to Bavaria and they need to start figuring how this is all going to work with him. So I anticipate it's going to happen. I think it is going to happen relatively soon. I mean, we're talking days now, not weeks. So I do think that things are going to start to move quickly. Levy is going to pull the trigger and then all of the fun will begin. And I think when Kane does make this move, we're going to try to reach out to some of the podcasts uh, we've been working with. Of course, uh, uh, Siler has, uh, has just made an appearance on a podcast, so uh, a Tottenham podcast. So we will try and get some, t some Harry Kane experts in to give us the lowdown on what we should expect and how they think Harry Kane is going to fit in with Bayern Munich. So a lot of exciting things to come. But of course, you know, Daniel Levy has to really pull that trigger first. 
One of the other big subplots of the week was the insanity surrounding the Bayern Munich goalkeeping situation. We've touched on this a little bit in recent weeks, but not really dove deep into it. Uh, I know I am personally a little bit concerned that Manuel Neuer is still training individually, that he's still kind of hiding his workouts. And I know that he's a private guy. He does not like anything filmed and all that. And I respect it. But when you're coming off a major injury and you are the age that Manuel Neuer is, all of these things just raise red flags to me. And I like Neuer, and I think he's been a very good captain to the team. I think he's arguably the most respected player in the Bundesliga. Uh, I mean, listen, we people like Kimmich, people like Muller, people like Marco Royce. Uh, there are a lot of players that that earn and draw respect. Mats Hummels, I mean, there are just a, a ton within the Bundesliga that deserve respect. But when you think about players who... <laughs> really everyone is unanimous on it's very few uh manuel neuer would be one of them he is definitely someone that the opposition respects that every player Bayern munich respects but something appears off and i'm not saying there's any conspiracy or that he's really that much more hurt than anyone thinks right now but it's taking him more time to get back to full health than i think most people anticipated and the longer this goes on, the more nervous Byron fans are going to get and the more options the club is going to explore. I am not thrilled that there are rumors going around that Byron could spend up to $30 million on a backup goalkeeper. I have no desire to see Byron <laughs> spend that kind of money. I don't think it's necessary. I think there are plenty of options at the club that could have been used, but now Bayern is in the spot. This very weird position where undoubtedly Jan Sommer is going to transfer to Inter Milan. That's that's happening. I don't think there's anyone that would argue that that's going to go down. I mean, I think all signs indicate that Summer has agreed on terms with Inter Milan. Inter Milan knows exactly what they want to pay for him. And I think it's just a matter of time. And it's a matter of Bayern Munich deciding who they want to pursue. And the most, I guess the most well-known name that's out there that, that could cost money is David Raya. So with him, we've seen this 30 million euro price tag thrown around I can't see it. I can't see Bayern Munich spending that much. I don't think that they would make that decision to invest in a position where you already have Neuer. Now, granted, I'm sitting here saying there are some red flags with Neuer. There are some things that aren't adding up with his recovery, but they still do have Sven Allreich. They still do have Alexander Nubel, who was just shipped out on loan. He's still a part of the club. He could be pulled back at midseason if things really hit the fan. You still have Johanna Schenk, who is on loan at Prussian Munster. There are options, and I don't see the need to go out and spend that amount of money on a goalkeeper. So, no, I don't think that Bayern Munich is ready to do that. I don't anticipate that they are going to do that. There are plenty of names they are looking at. I mean, we have seen some crazy ones, but... I think in the end that they know that going out and dumping a bunch of money into a position 
that you don't need to do it at. I think they know it would be a mistake that it would set the club back. And if things were really that bad with Neuer, if there was really major concern within the club, I think they would talk to Jan Sommer and they would try and convince him to stay a year or at least work to mid-season, get his time in until Neuer comes back and then move on at that point. It's a tough gig as a goalkeeper because if you know we're talking about a wing or an outside back or a striker, not it wouldn't necessarily be a big deal to see someone wait. But Inter Milan, if they don't get Jan Summer, they're going to go out and get a starting keeper. It's not like they're going to go into the season without a starting caliber player in between the sticks. So there is no time for Jan Summer to to really mess around with this. There's no time for Inter Milan to give Bayern a grace period. So while I'm sitting here and I'm saying there are red flags, while I'm sitting here and saying there's no way Summer can stay, I still can't justify going out and spending 30 million euro on a on a backup goalkeeper unless I know that Manuel Neuer has a, a a bigger problem coming back than anyone is aware of. So I wouldn't put too much stock in Bayern spending that much money. I do think they're going to spend some money because it does look like they're going to bring in someone. Who that someone is remains to be seen. What stage of their career the player is in remains to be seen because with Neuer, realistically, you you could be looking at maybe one more year, maybe two, maybe three. We don't know. They're not going to get a player who's in his prime to come in here cheap anyway. You're not going to get a player like that cheap to come in and sit behind Neuer for potentially three years. It's not going to happen. So you ideally want to target a younger player who's who's going to be a little bit more patient, someone that's not going to press the issue and that might want to learn under Neuer if if you if you can. It didn't work out so well for Alexander Nubel trying to do that. But I think that there are a lot of avenues Byron could explore that don't cost that much. And I think that that would be a much better idea than going out and, and dumping a ton into a goalkeeper position where you don't even know if you need it yet. And, and granted, I'm making the assumption that my red flags that I'm seeing with Neuer aren't really adding up to anything and that he is going to make a recovery and get back. I just don't think that Bayern needs to invest that kind of money. So I, I would love to hear what, what you guys think about that because the more stories I see about Bayern pursuing goalkeepers, I'm like, why? I mean, if you know you have Sven Ulrich, you could potentially call back someone on loan, I guess, if you needed to. I mean, that's always an option at, at mid-season. And there's always the possibility of going out and getting a Jan Summer type deal if Neuer, you know, hits some kind of unfortunate snag in his recovery. There's always that kind of deal that, that can be had for a lot less than 30 million euro. So yeah, I as you can tell, I'm fully against that. And I do not want to see anything go down like that. Finally, the other big situation this week was really revolving around Bayern's wings. Uh, we did see that Sadio Mane is closing in on what would be an outstanding 37 million euro deal between Bayern Munich and Al Nasser. This would be a tremendous business move. You get, if you can get 37 million euro for Mane right now, you got to take it and run. You got, I mean, like get him out the door as soon as possible. I don't want to say, listen, I've crushed him for weeks now. 
and I don't personally have anything against the guy. I think he's a bad teammate. That's for sure. I think he underperformed, no doubt. I don't think he has a role under Thomas Tuchel, and that's what's most concerning. I, I like right now. Listen, he punched Leroy Sané. It happened. It's over with. Has really no bearing on how he would function under Tuchel at this point. But I don't think Tuchel wants him either. So I think when you add all the stuff that happened in the past, if you mix that all together, yeah, there's no reason to keep him. So getting $37 million for him, you do it and you do it as soon as you can before Al Nasser figures out exactly what they're getting. So get that deal done. But one of the other big stories that we saw was that Bayern Munich would be willing to sell Leroy Sané. Now, in and of itself, you could say, okay, well, they'd be willing to sell a hell of a lot of players on the roster, I'm sure, if the deal was right. But what was crazy to me is that there, the report also stated that there were no suitors for Sané. And it also touched on the fact that they would still look to sell Serge Gnabry. And while the club is not going to actively go out and pursue these sales, if Gnabry or Sané wanted to leave, the club certainly wouldn't stand in their way, that they would help facilitate a move. So it makes me wonder if there isn't a deal being cooked up in the background for someone else. And that someone else could be Juventus winger Federico Chiesa, who we've talked about a little bit here and is certainly a player that's been on Bayern Munich's radar. He would definitely cost decent amount. I think there were some rumors that he could be had for 30 to 40 million euro earlier in the summer. I don't think that's happening. Uh, I think it would be more in the 50 to 60 range, but either way, if there is legitimate interest there, and we've seen Kiesa linked to Bayern Munich and Liverpool, among other clubs, um, it would be one of those kind of shocking moves that would come out of nowhere at this point, because everyone has been so focused on Harry Kane and Harry Kane and Harry Kane and maybe a backup goalkeeper, maybe a defensive midfielder. We've all kind of forgotten that if Mane leaves, it does leave the club short of having the four wingers that it likes to have. Now, there are options internally. You could use Jamal Musiala as a wing, which I would do in a heartbeat. You could use Matisse Tell as a wing, which I also would consider doing. Uh, the longer Tell is here, I could totally see him as a striker. I, I mean, you could see it. The way he moves and the way he's able to operate centrally, you could see it. I don't know how successful he would be long-term at that, if he would be able to be as consistently good as you need to be at that position. Maybe he could, I don't know. Uh, but I would like to see some of him at wing or two to see if I could get a gauge on how he would perform there in the future and if he would be able to fill a role in that position where he could perform consistently. So there are some things with Tell you could potentially do just by keeping him on the roster and not loaning him out. Playing wing and playing striker, obviously, he would get some minutes at both if he's around. Not having Mane will help that. But if you lost Sané or Gnabry, I could definitely see a, a big uptick in minutes for Tell. I could see Tuchel potentially looking to play Musiala on the wing, which would allow Tuchel to look at Thomas Muller and Jamal Musiala being on the field together, which I think we all kind of have the idea now that Bayern Munich, if you looked at everything they did last season, they were at their best with Muller and Musiala playing together. And I think 
the creativity between them and how much they open things up for their teammates was a, a massive reason why at times Byron looked so good. Uh, it just did not work out that either Julian Nagelsmann or Thomas Tuchel would, would lean on both players at the same time, using them in the same starting 11, uh, especially operating in, in kind of a dual attacking midfield role. But if you were able to use Musiala as a wing and really work and play on some of his strengths, which is that 1v1 ability, his footwork, his, ab- his ability to create offense from out wide, I think it would help the club immensely. And it wouldn't necessitate going out and getting a player like Federico Chiesa, who while I might like and while Carl Heinz Rumenega might like him and everyone else at the club might like him, it still is going to cost a lot of money. When you're talking about spending whatever the release clause ended up being for Kim Min-Jay, uh, when you're talking about spending nine figures on Harry Kane and any other smaller type moves that could be coming up, it, it all adds up. Bayern Munich is is a rich club. They have a smart fiscal plan, but they don't have unlimited funds. So while I might like to see Chiesa, and while many of you probably would like to see him, if Thomas Tuchel can devise a way to use Matisse Tell and Jamal Musiala in those wide winger roles, I don't see the need to go out in Chiesa. However, if the plan is to keep Tell as a striker, if the plan is to keep Musiala as an attacking midfielder, then I think when Mane gets sold, you do have to look at potentially kicking the tires on Chiesa and seeing what you can, you know, what it might take to get him. And for Juventus, if if they're really intent on selling him, which it seems like they are because they need money, uh, you're probably going to listen to an offer from Bayern Munich. They certainly did last summer when it came to Bayern's offer for Matisse Delict, who, I mean, did anybody see that coming? I know I sure as hell didn't. So uh, I think there's a good working relationship there. If Bayern needs to go that Kiesa route, I think it's there. But back to the point about Sané, I was perplexed because, I listen, I've never been the, the biggest Sané fan in terms of like, I was so annoyed and sick of the whole transfer saga with him and it had nothing to do with his ability, but it just didn't seem like at the time uh, Hansi Flick really wanted Sané. And of course, when he came, there was a rough patch in the beginning, but I felt like Hansi Flick had gotten the best out of Sané. So while it might not have, it might not have been a move that Flick endorsed initially, I think in the end, the two people brought some really great stuff out of each other, meaning Sané and Flick. But Sané has been a, he's been a good player for Bayern. Now I know if you, if you dig around the dirt sheets and you listen to the whispers, you know, there have been some issues at trainings with him. He's not always the most motivated guy. There were some reports about being late and that kind of thing, which is a knock on your professionalism. Listen, there could be all that kind of stuff going on that we don't really know about or hear all that much about. That could all be happening. Uh, But, uh, you know, those are things that happen on basically every team. I'm not saying it's right, and I certainly am not saying it's acceptable. What I'm saying is Byron is, if that stuff is going on, Byron's handling it how they know how to handle things. 
So with Sané, I, I, I definitely did not anticipate him being someone who they would want to let go after that long and arduous pursuit. I thought for sure that they were going to be all in on him for the long term. But right now, it seems like they'd be open to letting him go. They would be open to letting Serge Gnabry go. And of course, if that happens, it is an open book for adding at least one new player, if not two. So I think it's one thing to monitor over this last month of the transfer window. What happens with players like Sané and Gnabry? Is Bayern Munich going to commit to them for this season, or are they going to push them out the door in this final few weeks of the transfer window, and then you know then take a big swing on another player? We've seen Kiesa mentioned. We've seen Rafinha mentioned. Um, there are certainly some interesting names that Bayern has been linked to in the past, or even in the recent past that would 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 definitely change things within the team and how the team operates so uh i think that byron looking at the overall situation if if they value stability and they value a style of play i think you deal with those little things about sane and Gnabry you might not like rather than risk it on a player or a couple of players who could disrupt how things work you're already disrupting your attack bringing in harry kane you're disrupting it in a good way but, you know, it might take some time before they all figure out how to play together. And if you, you go drastic and you lose one or two of Gnabry and Sané, when you're already losing Mane, it, it could get a little bit dicey for how things gel, especially in the Hin Rondo where we know Bayern Munich is going to have to come out and play strong and build up a lead because that injury bug, which always seems to hit Bayern, will certainly have some effect in the Rook Rondo. That's about all I got this week. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking about Kane, just touching where things are, looking at the goalkeeper situation, and then also uh, trying to figure out what's going on at wing. So I really did enjoy that. Uh, I hope you guys did too. Uh, we will have a lot going on as the season gets closer. Of course, we're, we're hitting all of the summer news, all of the transfer and preseason news that's going on. When games really start to kick back up, you'll get the best of BFW, and you know you will certainly see a lot more commentaries in the future. Right now, um, you know we're in read and react mode with all of this news, so we are just looking at news bits and hammering them out at this stage. Otherwise, uh, you know, do me a favor, check out Jack's series that he's got. We have a stream going as he's embedded with Bayer Leverkusen. It's a really cool opportunity, and I was I was thrilled that that Bayer Leverkusen thought about BFW as a as a good outlet to bring in, get with the team, get access to to players like Florian Verts. I mean, when you're talking about you know Jack, who's a great guy, uh, you know, rolling out of bed one day, finding out he's going to be interviewing Xavi Alonso, Granit Xhaka. Florian Verts, it it cracks me up, and it, I'm so happy that we have the opportunity to do that. You can get those pieces on our site. You can also get them at the main SBN Soccer site. Uh, you should definitely be checking those out because, hey, listen, I know there was some you know chatter like, what do Bayern fans care about this? But if you really like Bayern, you really like the Bundesliga. You want to know about the other teams. You want the league to grow and thrive. 
And hey, if us doing this can, can I don't know, turn someone on to Bayer Leverkusen, if it can even give you another team to care about and watch this season, that's a good thing, right? I'm not saying you have to go out and buy a jersey or anything like that, but have some interest in it. I mean, get invested a little bit. Check these stories out. See if it interests you. I mean, these are things that, I, you know, as a site, I'm uh, I'm thrilled that we're able to take part in. So hope you guys like them. Jack's doing a fantastic job with those. I would love to uh, get him on the weekend warm up and talk to him about his experience. And I'm sure we will do that once he is back in Canada and settled. Yes, Jack is one of our Canadian contingent uh, who sometimes give me a hard time, but uh Jack does not. It's mostly uh, RLD and some of the others that hammer me, but uh, it's all in good fun. I love uh, love the Canadian and U.S. banter that we have, especially like RLD's music takes. Uh, we have a lot of similar tastes, although he and Marco Polo, of course, both Canadians will will crush my music taste every once in a while, but it's all in good fun. I really enjoy all the interactions we have, just like I do every time I chat with any of you out there. So uh Check us out. You can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get I Need No Name at BFWIN. And then you can get our tweetmeister, Tom Adams, at TommyAdams71. And as always, you can get all of the great Bayern in Germany coverage on www.bavarianfootballworks.com. Have a great, great weekend. Have a couple of beers on me, and we will see you next time.